All right, Victoria, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I cannot wait for all the knowledge you're about to drop on VA benefits. I'm really excited. You're the first person we've had on that's like a guru on this stuff. So I'm really excited. Yeah, <laughs> um, do you too. want <laughs> do you want to take like a second, introduce yourself, a little bit of background, um, and then we'll dive in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'm Victoria Hardy. Uh, I am a Navy veteran. I spent eight years at, as a master at arms. I was, uh, so Navy security. Uh, my focus was anti-terrorism, which was super cool. I got to do a lot of really fun stuff doing that. Um, and then I transitioned out and I did a couple years in security, um, doing some unarmed security stuff, working in dispatches, uh, which was right up my alley. And then, oh gosh, it was 2022. Yeah, February of 2022. Um, I kind of stumbled into uh, the job that I work now, um, which is as a benefits consultant, meaning I help veterans uh, by consulting on their disability ratings, helping with new stuff, uh, helping with increasing what they've got. But um, outside of that, I'm married to another veteran, another Navy veteran, um, and we have four fur babies and live in beautiful Charleston, South Carolina. So oh, that's love Charleston. It's gorgeous. I love it here so much. I fell in love when we got stationed here and mm -hmm. never wanted to leave. Yeah. What year did you move to Charleston? Uh, officially 2016. Um, we took okay. two years off to be in Oklahoma where he was stationed, but we've been here for the better part of seven years now, which is insane. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow, yeah. 2016 was seven years ago. I, I know. It makes you feel old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not looking forward to the big 30 next year just because it means I that know. I'm actually aging. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, okay, so let's backtrack to when you joined the Navy. How old were you? Why did you decide to join? Yeah, so I actually kind of always knew I was going to be in the military. Uh, I guess when I was like a toddler, just barely learning to walk, I would take my great-grandfather's uh, Cracker Jack cover and put it on behind him and march behind him uh, with <laughs> his, his cover on. And uh, my family always kind of knew I was going to go into some sort of service like that, whether it was law enforcement or uh, military. And I was actually supposed to go to the Naval Academy. I was primed and ready to apply. I had a verbal confirmation that I was going to have a sponsorship. And I got sick in my senior year um, and ended up having to have a surgery that would have backed me up two years. So oh, wow. I was, I don't remember where I was driving from, but I was driving home one day um, after I had graduated. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go to the recruitment office and see if I can enlist. I, I just, at the drop of a hat, I was like, I'm ready to do this. Um, and I was, I was 19 when I officially joined. I turned 19, and it was like two months later that I went to boot camp. But I was like, nope, I'm not waiting for, for college yeah. this time. I'm just going to join. Um, I wanted to do the Navy because my great-grandfather was a World War II hero. Um, and I always kind of idolized him, and that's why I wanted to do the Naval Academy, too. Um, and it just seemed like the right time. It was just something clicked in my head. Hey, it's time for you to do this. And, uh, I knew what I wanted to do. I made sure I got the score for it. And when they said, Hey, you can ship off in July. I was like, let's do it. That's awesome. What was a uh, camp like for you? So what year did you go to boot camp? I went in July of 2013. 
Um, and it was definitely a culture shock. Uh, I grew up, I grew up in Georgia and I was from a homeschool home. Um, and my parents did a great job of socializing me and getting me, you know, out into programs and doing things, but I still was kind of in my bubble. So going mm -hmm. to boot camp and meeting people from all kinds of life backstories and stuff was a little bit of a culture shock. And I also don't yeah. do mornings ever. Um, That's all so you do in boot camp is mornings. Yeah. So the 4 a.m. wake up calls uh, were rough, but yeah. it was a great experience overall. I met some mentors that I'm actually still close with. Um, once I had graduated schools, I was allowed to add my RDCs um, as friends and I, I still keep in contact with them. Um, and I was very fortunate to have uh, female RDCs, women as my um, RDCs. And they really inspired me to take control of my career and keep pushing forward. Um, and I still look up to them as examples for, you know, how to be a strong woman in the world. Um, yeah. But it was a really good experience. I'm I'm glad I did it. There's some things I would change if I went back and did it over. But I'm glad yeah. I did it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually shipped out September of 2013. So we're not too far off. Oh, yeah. You you probably got there right as I was leaving. I graduated yeah. September 13th. Um, yep. I got there September 7th or 8th, I think. Yeah. I know I shipped out on the 7th, but I don't remember much of boot camp. And I always <laughs> tell people that are like thinking about joining, like boot camp is literally seven to nine weeks of what could be years so like mm -hmm. just all you have to do is pass you don't have to do a yep. good job like you don't have yep. to be the honor recruit you just have to get through it and you're never gonna think of it again i was the honor recruit <laughs> oh nice <laughs> not to bash yeah. you at all but no, you know no, like it doesn't you don't have to um right like your performance in boot camp doesn't determine your naval career and mm -mm. it's just a rite of passage everyone goes through yep. and then they don't talk about it ever again really unless it's to share funny stories of things you get yeah. away with yeah that is true um i also had a female my lead rdc which to if anyone listening rdc is just like your drill instructor in boot camp and um my lead was a female chief and she would go on these tangents about like uh, she would show up to her kid's school in her chief uniform and she would just give us these like extremely powerful, motivating speeches about like being mm -hmm. a female in the military. And that really like stuck out to me. I don't keep in contact yeah. with any of my RDCs, but it was really cool to see a female being our head and then two mm -hmm. men um, as like the what second and third RDCs. Yeah. But yeah, I think that made a huge difference. If I would have had all three men, I would have, I would have never seen a positive female role model until like year four of the yeah. Navy. So yeah, absolutely. Totally mm -hmm. agree. Um, what was, did you notice any like challenges in your first couple years in the military from being a female, especially a master at arms? Like I know there's a lot of women in it, but it's a manly job, you know? Yeah. So I'm small. Um, I am, I'm five, three at the time I weighed like 110 pounds soaking wet with rocks in my pockets. Um, <laughs> so there was definitely the immediate perception that I was not going to be able to do my job fully. Um, yeah. that I didn't have the strength for it, that I was just too small to do things right. Um, and I kind of had a leg up that I didn't tell people about at first. Um, I was in, I've been in martial arts since I was six. Um, and I also was in a police 
program is called Police Explorers is through the uh, Boy Scouts of America uh, mm -hmm. for several years in high school. So I already kind of had a general idea of what law enforcement was like and the how to do the physical side of things. Yeah. Um, so they were make the instructors would make fun of me for being small and not being able to do it. And then I throw my partner across the room during training um, or be able to tackle a guy to the ground and handcuff him like it was nothing. And they just kind of look at me like this little chick just did that. Like she just, she just threw him. Um, so that was fun in school at least. Um, I really pushed myself to excel in school because I didn't want that perception of she's tiny, she's female, you know, she can't do it. I was like, no, I wanted this job. I'm going to do this job. Get out of my way. Um, yeah. Now, when I got to the fleet was another culture shock. Again, coming from growing up, not sheltered per se, but just in a bubble, I guess, would be the best. Yeah, you know, less, I wasn't like, really... culturally diverse. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I started meeting people who were established in their careers and had their reputations and had, you know, their place in the hierarchy, um, it was tough. Uh, I dealt with a lot of anxiety problems um, that I still have to this day. Mm -hmm. and. Um, there were a couple people I won't talk too much about them because I don't like to speak poorly of people that I'm not in contact with anymore. And I also don't like to give them power over me. But there were a couple people who kind of went out of their way to make my life a little bit miserable because they assumed that I was entitled, that I was lazy, you know, all that kind of stuff. That I was just trying to get an easy go of things uh, and wasn't the truth. I, I genuinely wanted to go out and do my job and do a good job of it. Um, but it was just that image, again, of the young female I I'm always kind of bubbly I'm always kind of just like joking yeah. around and stuff um so there were there were a handful of incidents um mm -hmm. that that have had lasting effects on me and mm -hmm. my uh mental health I guess we'll, we'll go with that one yeah um but overall it only made me stronger in the end like it gave me yeah you know, if it started off at the worst it's going to get, it can only go better from here. And that's kind of mm -hmm. how it ended up going. Yeah, I have. I like resonate with what you said a million percent because I grew up in Ohio and mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I was just bright eyed, bushy tailed. I had no clue what the world had in store for me when I joined the military. I was not um, ready. <laughs> yeah. But when I was also like a really hard worker and I was like, I'm going to do this job to the best of my ability and no one's gonna like get in my way of my goals. Like, yeah. And I was 18 and mm -hmm. I just looked like this little spoiled brat. Basically that was mm -hmm. everyone's first impression of me was that I was spoiled and used to getting what I want and had never lifted a finger in my life. And um, there were a couple people at my first duty station. So my first, uh, duty station was a ship. Um, and I remember we were out like sweeping the P way, like the hallway and mm -hmm. this second class comes up to me and I was an air traffic controller. So we already have pretty like cake, like work lives. Like could we sit right. in air conditioned office spaces? Like we don't do much, um, manual labor, but we still had to clean every day. And I was sweeping and this second class comes out and he just like 
he's probably like 35. Like he shouldn't mm-hmm. be, he should have made first class years ago, but mm-hmm. you know, I'll mind my business. <laughs> and he just like put his hands on his hips and looked at me and was like, Hmm, just like making weird noises at me. And I was mm-hmm. like, can I help you AC two? And he was like, this must be your first time sweeping, isn't it? And I was just like, no, it's not actually. And I'm going to continue to sweep the way I know how to sweep, if that's okay mm-hmm. with you. And he was like, sure, you just look like you're struggling a bit. And I was like, chill out, dude. And he would just make all these comments to me about mm-hmm. like, you know, I was just naive and super motivated. Like I wanted to yeah. do everything. So there was this um, chief on deployment that I got permission to come to work an hour late because I had a challenge going with him to run on the flight deck every morning. And I wanted to Mm -hmm. be able to match his pace by the end of deployment. Okay. And so he talked to my chief and got permission for me to PT with him in the morning and I could come in an hour late. Um, And he made like just dumb comments about that. And I Mm -hmm. was like, I don't see you getting up at 5 a.m. to run. Like, right while you guys are sitting here just doing nothing, waiting for cleaning stations, I'm running and then showering and getting to work still on time before work starts. And um, he ended up making, he stayed a second class for several years after that. And Mm -hmm. I made first class before him and I knew him as an airman. And then I picked up chief and he is still a first class, I think. So I'm just, you know, karma. Oh yeah. Sucks Sucks to suck. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. I, uh, the one that sticks out most is a second class that the one that assumed that I was entitled lazy, that kind of stuff. And he literally told me one day that I did not belong in his Navy and it was better off if I just got off the ship and got myself processed out and just went, you know, went back to my life and whatever and didn't have to work hard. And and that was the day that I cried while being armed up and I was like this is not how things should be Um, luckily I had good leadership on that team and they were like okay these two are clearly not getting along you guys aren't allowed to be around each other you're on different shifts but you know there was still tension there for the remaining two or three months that we were on mission for that one yeah but it's just like I don't know why even waste your energy from his perspective like why would he waste his energy trying to degrade you when he could literally be like if he honestly thought that you weren't good enough why wouldn't he take time to like make you good enough in his eyes or um I don't know he probably just felt threatened I don't know maybe but again I haven't honestly I haven't thought about him in years the only time I even talk about him is when I'm I'm working with my vets and I'm like hey this is something that happened to me that caused me to have anxiety here's how I talk about it when I go to disability stuff yeah so yeah I'm saying like I rarely bring it up until someone says something like that um yeah okay um were you on sea duty your whole time in the navy or uh no. So I did two years. I was with mobile security out of Bahrain. So we were actually on the USNS ships that did the unreps, yeah. um, sent across fuel and supplies and stuff. So I did that for two years out of Bahrain, which is super cool because um, I got to go to all the different countries to pick up supplies. Yeah. And then I did uh, my last three years of active duty. I did um, 
my brain just completely shut off on me. Uh, <laughs> I worked at the nuclear prototype school here in Charleston as security. Okay. Um, so that was a shore duty, but it was still anti-terrorism. We still did a lot of um, run and shoot drills and things like that. Very in the job type stuff, not necessarily law enforcement, but like what I like to do, which is protection of assets and things like that. Yeah. Oh, that's so. really cool. My um, yeah. best friend was stationed in Charleston. Her last at the same time as you. You might might know her. We'll talk about it after yes. the recording. But uh, absolutely, it's <laughs> pretty interesting. And then we knew a couple of the MAs that were in Charleston too. I think she got out and right before the pandemic. I want to say, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Um, all right. So switching into your job that you do now, how did you yes. like stumble upon this? Um, well, I, so after I did the two years of unarmed security, I was working, um, with a a security company for that. I took a year off when my husband got stationed in Oklahoma to go to school full time because they were like, Hey, we can't make you a manager until you get a degree. Um, so I was going to get my degree and about a year in, I realized, okay, maybe going back to security isn't great for my mental health. Um, maybe it was causing more problems than it was giving me happiness, but I was like, but I need a job. I need to make money. I'm only, I was rated 80%, which is great. Like, yeah, I was happy with getting 80%, but I like to pull my weight. I was raised to be very equal with my husband. You know, you both contribute that kind of stuff. And I felt like I wasn't. So I was like, I need to find a job. I need to find something to do. Um, and my best friend actually had been on my butt for two-ish years. Hey, you deserve a higher rating. Your back, your mental health, all this other stuff is underrated. You need to call this guy, Kyle, and he'll help you with your rating. And it finally got to the point that she was like, if you don't call him, I'm going to call him for you and set up an appointment. And I was like, okay, okay, I'll call him. So I remember it vividly. It was New Year's Eve. And I don't know why I decided to call him on New Year's Eve, but I called him and I said, hi, my friend uh, Kylie recommended you to me. Can you help me with my VA rating? And he was very nice about it. He said, hey, go fill out this form, you know, da, da, da. So I scheduled my actual screening with him and he goes, yeah, you could definitely qualify for 100%. Like your symptom support qualifying for 100%. Um, and I was like, that's great. During that conversation, it had come up that I could not find a job because due to the physical stuff that I have going on and my mental health, working hospitality or retail is not an option. I am not yeah. nearly nice enough to work hospitality or retail. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I commend the people that do because uh, you guys have strengths that I will never know. Um, but I was telling him, you know, that's part of why I'm trying to do this because I need a job, but I can't find a job. And we get to the end of the the call and he goes, this may be a little self-serving, maybe a little serendipitous. Um, We're about to close out our applications for new consultants to work here. I really like how you're presenting yourself on the phone. I like how you clearly are educated and you like to learn things. You're asking questions about how things work. Why don't you put in an application and we'll see how the interview goes. And I was like, I don't know if I'm good at this because I'm not salesy. I'm not a salesperson. Yeah. I like to share information. I like to help people, support people. I don't do well with selling things. Mm-hmm. And 
he was like, we can work on that. Just put in the application. So they ended up offering me a contract. And I thought about it, talked with my husband. I said, okay, this is commission-based. There's no telling, you know, how much I'm going to be able to make. But it's it's something that seems to be presenting itself at the right time. And that's kind of how things have always gone for me. Things have just presented themselves yeah. at the right time. Oh, yeah, timing's everything. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, we're going to do it. We're just going to jump in feet first and do the thing. And... It, the rest has kind of been history. I, I did my training. I learned. Uh, we start off learning to help with what vets already have with what we call our DBQ generation or increasing. Um, and I spent about a year doing that, um, helping veterans go from lower ratings to what we call more accurate ratings. Um, and then the drug effect kicked in because I started getting people with successes. And I was like, oh, this is good. I can do this. <laughs> this yeah. is, and it felt good when you got that phone call. I got my 100%. I'm permanent in total. And it just kind of became everything to me. And it still is. Um, and I'm almost at two years now. It'll be two years in February of next year that I've been doing this. And it is without a doubt the best job I've ever done in the world. Um, oh, that's awesome. It is so rewarding when a client that you've been working with for a year sends you a video of his wife finding out that he got 100% P&T after fighting for it for five or six years. And she's, you know, screaming and crying and rejoicing and all this kind of stuff. Um, I mean, I still remember that one because he was the first guy that ever said yes to me. He was the first one. He and his wife were like, you sound like you care. We want to trust you. Let's do this. And they got their 100% earlier this year. And I'm still like, I still check in with them every couple months. Um, and so it just, it became the emotional toll that can kind of sometimes come with it because it can be emotional. You're taking on a lot of these veterans stories and, and struggles and things like that. But I get those phone calls or those texts or emails. I got it. They gave me my decision. And it's just the best feeling in the entire world. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. And it's especially like I can just tell that you really care and like you have like an empathetic side to you. So I feel that 100% that I would get yeah. like so I that's why I didn't go into healthcare. I really thought about mm -hmm. it for a bit. And I thought about going into like teaching for like special mm -hmm. needs. And I just came to this conclusion, like, I don't have the emotional capacity to be able to separate the two. And I still like, even with my own business, I put my emotions into things and yeah. Um, and, but that's awesome. And it helps to, it's helped me because it's allowed me. So one of the things we do is we help vets with new service connections. And through that, we teach communication, 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 <laughs> methods that help tell their stories while communicating the symptoms and I've had to use my own examples my own stories my own traumas to be like hey this is how it presents for me does that reflect for you and it's helped me process a lot of things that I yeah. kind of even with therapy because mm -hmm. I stay in therapy I know that I yeah. mean <laughs> but it's helped me come to terms with a lot more things that I didn't realize I had tamped down um yeah. 
And it makes me feel stronger because I can talk to these guys. I'll be like, look, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I can talk about my things. Now you can do it too. Yeah. Um, so it's helped a lot as much as I've taken on, but that's why I protect my weekends. Yeah, no, that's great. And isn't it like just the best feeling ever when you remember like a negative story that you used to not be able to tell and now you can tell it and be like, look at me now. I'm good, mm-hmm. you know? And um, I love when I can like see people have that like growth in front of me. So that's really cool that um, you're able to do that too. Yeah. Um, okay, so I am, I just separated September 7th, and today's October 27th, so mm-hmm. I'm still waiting on, like, my first, whatever, rating to come yeah. back. I did all my appointments and everything, but mm-hmm. what advice do you have, I guess, for someone in my shoes that's, like, fresh out and just started the um, claim process? So, before you even submit a claim, there's a couple we call them puzzle pieces that we recommend that you pull together and have ready to submit. So the first thing is the most important, and this is unfortunately something that a lot of veterans or service members even don't get to take advantage of is medical records. You've got to go to medical. You've got to get diagnoses for things, even if it's just anxiety disorder for mental health. doesn't have to be PTSD. doesn't have to be specific anxiety disorder, something like that, or for your back you know, lumbar strain for your knees, something going on. Getting those medical records and those diagnoses is going to be a huge part of a successful claim because if you can get it while you're in, then that's evidence that supports that it's service connected. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to have that. You definitely want to have as much medical records. And if they tell you you can't go to medical, tell them that's not a that's where they can shove it, basically. That's the nicest way I can put yeah. it and that you're going to medical. Um, because you have free health care. Go to medical. Um, I get a little passionate about that one. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, I appreciate it. The other thing that you want to have, the other puzzle piece, is what we call a nexus event. And a nexus event is either a single event or a series of events that has caused you to start experiencing the condition and the symptoms that go along with it. So when I talk about, I use my back a lot because that's my one of my main ones. So when I talk about, you know, what a back nexus event is, I was on my one of my missions. I We were in full kit, which is full, you know, bulletproof vest, helmet, all that kind of stuff. Had all my gear on me, and I was carrying uh, my crew-served weapon, which is typically a weapon that needs two people. Mine was easy to carry, but still. Um, and we were in rough seas, so I was trying to be careful, and I was going down a ladder well, and... The ship went down, I missed a step, and then the ship came back up. And I just tumbled in about 60, 70 pounds of gear with other stuff on it down the steps. Um, And the next day, my back started hurting. Um, So that's kind of my nexus event for my back. There's other things that go along with it. Eight years of wearing 60 pounds of gear, 14 hours a day doesn't help. But that's kind of the identifying thing. so those nexus events are important because that's how you communicate, yes, this happened while I was in service. I have the documentation, but here's what actually happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the two big things that I would recommend having is evidence slash diagnosis and the nexus events. Then it just comes down to knowing what the requirements are for each for the conditions that you're applying for. So I always encourage research. Um, 
It's all public, publicly public, publicly published. I promise I can talk. <laughs> um, so you can look up, you know, VA rating schedule for knees, and you can find that and see what the requirements are, and say, okay, you know, this is where I am, so this is probably where an accurate rating is, and then take that and be able to communicate it. And that's the big thing is communication. Um, the doctors that you go see, they see 20 veterans a day, right? They're, they're constantly getting veterans coming through their office for exams. You want to be the one that stands out. You want to be so prepared for their questions that they don't even have to really do work. You're giving them everything they need to know. Um, and knowing what the requirements are for each condition will help you be able to do that. So those are kind of the basics. There's obviously more details that go into it, confidence, you know, how to communicate body language, things like that. But that's kind of the basics of what I would recommend for anybody prepping for a new claim. And even if you've been out for a couple years, you know, if, if it's been a couple years and you never went to medical, okay, we can still work with that. Go to your doctor, get imaging done on your knees, get, you know, tell them to diagnose it. Now we can go back and maybe we do go back to your medical records and see when you went to the medical clinic to sit call and got seen because you busted your knee and they gave you an ACE bandage and some Motrin. They didn't diagnose you, but, you know, maybe there's something in there. And we can make that work because, again, we have our nexus events. We're communicating what we experienced in the military, how it affected us in the military, and then a little bit of how it affects us now. So, do you offer? Um, I think that there are a lot of veterans out there that don't think that they have any disabilities. Um, do you offer a service of like sitting down with them to be like to go through their records with them um, to help identify what they could claim or? Um, not in that current sense. So any veteran that comes to us gets a free screening. Um, and through that screening, we have like a checklist that they fill out and it says what they want to be screened for. So what they want me to talk about and that kind of stuff. Um, so we don't go over their records per se, because we want to maintain HIPAA compliance. You know, we, yeah, we, we don't want to cross those lines, but I'll ask questions and I'll be like okay so you want me to talk about your back you're saying you have no records have you requested them or what happened that your back got messed up that you want me to talk about it so I kind of mm -hmm. push them and I dig into those those little crevices where they're like mm, I don't have it but I might and I'm like I bet you do have it I bet yeah. you do have an issue with that let's mm -hmm. let's get into it um but as for like medical records no we don't don't okay. go over those yeah, that no, that makes complete sense. I just didn't know. Um, yeah. I think like the most annoying thing I hear, and I'm don't really know much about the claim process. I'm kind of learning as I go, and mm -hmm. um, I understand it's a long process, so I'm not stressing about it. But yeah, um, like it's just so frustrating when there are like, especially like people who did like security or had these like physically demanding jobs, and they're like, "Oh, I'm fine. I don't need to claim a." disability mm -hmm. claim and I'm like but you literally earned this like this is a part of serving is the ability to do this after and yeah and it's not like I don't know and you see people that take advantage of the system and that don't 
quite deserve what they got. I don't care. It's not, it doesn't affect me, but. Right. um, And then you see people that are really deserving and are too, like, I don't know if it's pride or what they're, they refuse to get the rating for it that they deserve. So. Yeah. And that's actually something I've come up against a little more often recently is vets who haven't claimed something or they've got like a 10% overall rating and they're like, I just don't know if I have anything else. And I'm like, did you sign on the dotted line? Did you give your blood, sweat, tears, soul, you know, bodily autonomy, whatever, (laughs) to the military? Okay, then you are at the very least entitled to apply for these benefits. Yeah. You know, and and my job is to help you accept that, be okay with that, and be able to communicate it to the VA doctor. And again, get what you've earned. Mm -hmm. Um, So if someone files, let's say... Um, you talked about if someone wants to try to increase their rating that they were already approved for, mm-hmm. how does that work? And then as far as like back payment goes, do they back pay to, um, I guess, can you explain how back pay works in that scenario as well? Yeah. So I'll start with back pay and then I'll move on to the DBQ generation slash increase. Okay. Um, so back pay is kind of arbitrary, I'll be honest. Um, I haven't really been able to find a trend in how much back pay people get. Now, I will dispel the biggest myth about back pay. If you've been out for more than a year, your back pay will never go back to your EAOS when you separated from the military. A lot of people think that when they increase a rating after like five years, that's going to go back to their original separation date. This is not true. When you file a claim after your initial one, You do what's called an intent to file, and that starts a 12-month window in which you can submit a claim. Whenever you submit your claim, the most back pay you can receive is to the date of the intent to file. So, for example, I submitted my intent to file for my increase on December 31st of 2021. Um, I filed my claim in November of the following year because I had to wait a few months to actually start the process with Atlas. Um, So I finally filed right before Thanksgiving last year, and I got increased officially in February of this year. My back pay did go back to December 31st of 2021. However, I've had veterans who started their ITF in January submitted in July, got their decision in August, and only got back pay to July. So there may be a formula out there for it. I have searched high and low. I've practiced my Google Foo. Um, I have not been able to find the formula officially. I would love to know what it is, though. Uh, But the most back pay you can get after a year is to your intent to file date, unless it's uh, like if you got out in January, filed your first claim in March, and then wanted to... There, there's so many things that you could go into. There's there's yeah. so many different things. It's kind of case by case, but generally yeah. it's to your first year out or to your intent to file. Right. So it sounds like anything that happens within your first year out, generally speaking, would go back to your EAOS. But once you're beyond a year, then it goes back to a paperwork date, basically. Correct. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, 
So with the increased guys that I work mm -hmm. with, DBQ generation, and a DBQ is a disability benefit questionnaire. That's the form that gets filled out and submitted to the VA for your claim. It's got all your symptoms, your history, things like that. So you hear me say DBQ, that's what that is. Um, so that's the program I did uh, as a client, and it was super easy. Um, I Atlas works with a company called ReMedical, and they actually help with the DBQ generation. So the veteran will come to us, will say, okay, we can increase your headaches, your neck, and uh, your knee pain, for example. We're going to do three things. We then go through a process. There's some questionnaires. There is some record gathering, but because it's through a medical uh, medical company, it's all HIPAA compliant. We don't look at it. It's It's all there are people that look at it, um, but we do some questionnaires, some record gathering, and then ReMedical will generate the documents, and we will coordinate with a doctor in the veterans area to go see them and have their CMP exam done. So it's not with the VA, it's through our network of doctors around the country, which helps a lot of veterans who haven't wanted to move forward with an increase because they're scared of the scared of the daunting process that is the VA. And I have all respect to the VA, not talking poorly about them at all, but it can be scary because there's yeah. not a lot of readily accessible information about what to expect. So it kind of gives them a better feeling because they know that I'm working with them the whole time. We do prep sessions, we do pep talks, all that kind of good stuff. They see a doctor that is, you know, already kind of knows what they're walking into, already has the information. They do the, the exam, make sure that everything is still supported in person versus virtually, and then ReMedical will finish the DBQs, and the veteran will actually submit them. So we're not accredited agents or attorneys. We can't do anything on behalf of the veteran, but we provide them with the information on how to do it and their DBQs. They submit their claim, get their decision. <laughs> it's so much easier than going it alone. Um, I never would have tried to go from 80 to 100. If I had done it by myself, uh, it made me feel so much better to know that I had educated, knowledgeable people on my side being able to be like, okay, this is what you're giving me. This is, you know, a, how you can word it. Excuse me. Um, you know, fill out these questionnaires, advocate for yourself. That's one of the big things is the questionnaires are what gets put on your DBQs. Yeah. So you get to have a, the only voice or the main voice in your claim, everything that we put on there is from the veteran themselves. And it's very empowering for a lot of veterans because they're like, I get to tell my story and that's what's going to get submitted. Yeah. Um, so it's a fantastic program. I mean, everything we do is fantastic. I could talk about <laughs> it all day. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely one that draws a lot of veterans to us because they don't have to worry about navigating the VA by themselves. Yeah. No, yeah, that's amazing. It is very um daunting and like overwhelming yes. to cuz they don't make that information easily available. It's out there. Like you said, it everything's is. out there, but they don't make it easy on you and it's um I had a point probably a month ago where I was like, this takes so long to do anything. I should, and I had a thought in my head, like, I should just not do this. It's not worth it. And I was like, it's worth it. Just mm -hmm. suck it up, deal with the 
long wait times, like the phone call takes forever and mm-hmm. um, the appointments. I go for one x-ray and I'm there for three hours because there's too yep. many people and not enough providers. And, you yep. know, but I just, you know, it pays off do in it. the end. Yeah. It pays yeah. off in the end and you get that financial security. Again, you know, we spent, we spend all this time in the military with a steady paycheck, free health care, generally yeah. discounted or free housing, depending on, you know, BH and things like that or barracks, you know, we're taken care of. And then we get out and we're like, oh, I have Down to pay there. for everything again. Yeah. yeah. So it, it helps a lot of veterans and ones that can't work, especially I, I love being able to help them get that financial security so that yeah. they don't feel like they have to go to work when they really can't. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's it's allowed for me to work part like getting a hundred percent. I work part time. I work twenty twenty five hours a week tops. My husband awesome. is a full time student right now, and we don't have to worry about our bills being paid. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, so if you would like to do like a little plug for you and your business, or do you want to like talk about how someone would work with you and what that process is like? Yeah. So um, if I haven't said the full name yet, I work for Atlas Benefit Consulting. It's a veteran-owned, veteran-run company. Um, They're based out of Washington, but we are fully virtual, clearly, since I'm on the opposite end of the country. Um, And you can always go to our website. Uh, We do have the ability to request a free consultation, which is what we call our screenings. there's a little form you can fill out where you can say, you know, this is my name. I have a rating. I don't have a rating. Um, and then you pick your consultant. Obviously, I'm biased. You should definitely work with me. But honestly, our other two consultants, Ashley and Anna, are fantastic. I love those girls so much. They are super supportive. They've helped me so much in my training. Um, and any of us, you'd be you'd be lucky to work with because uh, we all work together to help each other out and learn things and do better. Um, but I do also have uh, my own little contact request link that I can absolutely share um, yeah. with you to to get that. And that's just a quicker way. I always recommend going and looking at our website. But if you're already like, I just want to talk to Victoria. I just want to get an idea of things. I have a contact link that can be filled out. It goes right to my inbox. Um, and I'm able to touch base and everything uh, fairly quickly. And then from there, we get that basic information. We get, you know, if you have a rating, I get a screenshot of your rating so I know what everything is, where you are, what can be increased. Um, We do that little checklist that I talked about earlier where um, you just tell me what you want to talk about and it has a place where you can put your specific questions. So I'll have people be like, hey, you know, what do I do if I have no records or you know, I want to look at getting this service connected, that, or I have questions about how the process works, things like that. Um, and then we do our screening. Um, and it's about 30, 45 minutes, depending on how chatty we are. Um, and through that, I'm able to ask questions based on the VA's requirements for the disabilities and kind of give you an idea of what your overall rating projection looks like. And you know, you just let me know at that point, hey, I'm ready to do this, um, or hey, I need a little bit more time, I'm going to get some more records and come back. Um, that's the thing I like most is I don't feel like I'm pushing it on anybody, and I will never push it on people. If you are not ready, I'm like, cool, let's follow up in a few months. Let's just talk, you know, yeah. catch up, see if you're ready. 
because I did the same thing. I, I talked to Kyle in December and I didn't before till March um, of the following year. So uh, I'm, I'm always available to answer questions. I tell people all the time, my Facebook inbox is open, my LinkedIn, uh, my actual email inbox. Like I tell people all the time, just reach out to me, ask questions. I had people call me before and go, are you the VA rating lady? And I'm like, that's me. That's who I am. The That's VA a good reading social media lady. handle. <laughs> right? Right? Um, but yeah, I can, I'm always willing to answer questions. Even if you're like, hey, I'm not interested. I just had questions. I love sharing information with yeah. our community. That's um, great. And of course, I'm biased. I think you should work with me because I'm good at what yeah. I do. But <laughs> I also just love helping people. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, that's awesome. What um are you comfortable sharing like how much it is to work with you or how the payment works and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. so payment style-wise, uh we're kind of unique. We are a flat fee company. So whereas a lot of other companies that do the same thing will usually take like a percentage out of your back pay, we only do a payment upfront. It's a flat fee. It tells you exactly what that entails you know what it covers what it includes um and then there's no other payments after that okay the only other time would be if we had to expedite you if your intent to file was coming up um but we usually monitor that pretty closely and we're like yeah we'll get you done way before that um okay pricing wise it does depend um so for our new service connection program which is called communications training program uh it's an a la carte style menu um, so our mental health program through there is right around two thousand um, dollars, and then for physical stuff, so headaches, shoulders, back, reflux, things like that, it's about five hundred dollars per condition. Um, and then for our increased program with uh, in partnership with Remedical, it ranges depending on what you need done. So if you just need mental health or physical, it's about Twenty-seven, twenty-eight hundred dollars, and again, that covers me helping you out, regenerating the documents, doctor's appointments, everything. That's why it's a little bit more expensive. And then, if you need both of them, it's about—I I can pull it up right now. I think it's about thirty-one hundred dollars mm-hmm. for both uh, together. Yeah. So not exceedingly cheap, but I will say it is on the lower end of the market that we currently in. Um, a lot of the other companies are starting around five grand. Um, yeah. Don't take that as gospel, anybody. But yeah, that's kind of the general. Um, mm-hmm. And we also have payment plans. You know, we don't require you to pay three grand up front. If you need yeah. to split it up, we have payment plans because our goal is to put money in veterans' pockets, not take it out. Right. Um, and that's but, all yeah. information that's shared with veterans yeah. when they fill out a contact request. That's like the first thing we send out is here's the program info. Here's how much it costs. We're very mm-hmm. upfront about it. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, I've never inquired with um, a company like that does mm-hmm. what you guys do because I'm still so new to it. But um, mm-hmm. I mean, my thought process is you're about to help me get paid more for the rest of my life. So the least I could do is give you like a month or two's cut. Yeah. You know, and and, and honestly, like I paid our prices have gone up with the economy because that's how it all works but when I onboarded uh it was about $2,700 for what I needed done and I got 27,000 in back pay yeah so 
I was okay with, you know, shelling out that money. And that's a general gap of what people get. You know, they, their, their back pay pays for it and then some. And again, mm-hmm. we don't take any of that. That's all yours to keep. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, thank you for sharing that. I know the transparency yeah. is really appreciated. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I, again, I love sharing it and, and getting the information out there. And I'm a, I'm an open book. I'll tell yeah. you pretty much anything. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have any like VA? I know you talked about um, the back pay myths, but do you have any other like common myths you want to debunk or? Ooh. Um, oh, I know gosh, I just threw you on the spot, spot with that one. But... Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, or common misconceptions. Honestly, it's they kind of just pop up randomly, you know, with what they are. Mm. I don't have any. That's the biggest one is the back pay one. Yeah. Um. Okay, I got one. Uh, has, have you heard of Nexus letters? Of what? Nexus letters. No. Okay. So Nexus letters are an additional piece of evidence that you can get to submit with your claim. It's typically with a doctor and a VA accredited attorney or an attorney that write together basically a statement saying that your condition is as least as like at least as likely as not caused by military service. It's just supposed to be an extra thing saying from an, an impartial doctor that your condition is service related. A lot of people think those are a shoe in for getting a service connection. Um, and, and the unfortunate reality is they're not, you know, they never, they're one of the things they never hurt, but they're not guaranteed to get you a rating. So if you're like, oh, I have to have a Nexus letter for my new service connection. Cause it's been, I've been out for so many years. Don't take that as an absolute look into them. If that's something you want to get to add to your packet, absolutely do that. But a lot of veterans think that it's if you have a nexus letter, you're getting a service connection or you're getting an increase. And it's unfortunately just not the reality of it. Yeah, not as powerful um, as you may think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So those are the two big ones that I see a lot. But I, I mean, like I said, they're ones that pop up. They're like, oh, is this how it really is? And I'm like, no, yeah. no, that's not accurate at all. <laughs> What about timeframes to file your claim? Do you lose the ability to file your claim after a couple years? Um, so that's what the intent to file is for. Mm-hmm. And so that you have a year to submit your claim after you get out to get back paid to your separation date. Mm-hmm. Once you do the intent to file, that gives you 12 months to the day to submit a claim. However, there's no penalty if you don't. So if you if you came to me and you're like, Victoria, I think I might want to do an increase. And I'm like, cool, submit your intent to file, get me the date. We'll keep track of it. And then life happens and you're not able to do it. And you come back a year and a month later, there's no penalty, but you're going to have to do another intent to file because that one has expired. Mm -hmm. Um, So there is a time limit, but once you've submitted the claim, your intent to file can expire and you're okay. It's right. just getting the claim submitted that has to be done in that 12 months. Okay. So your initial claim needs to be done within 12 months or else you lose the ability to do it at all? Not at all. Okay. You just have to start a new application. Okay. So there's never a time limit on when, like, let's say nope. if a veteran gets out and then five years later, they decide to finally claim. I have disability. I have a veteran who's been out for seven years that's filing his first claim. I've had 
veterans that have been out for, um, I think I've got a gentleman right now who we're doing an increase for him. So it's not a new service connection, but he got out before I was born um, and we're, we're increasing him. Uh, but That's yeah, I've awesome. had people who've been out for 10, 15 years and okay, cool. we still help them out. And it, again, it comes down to that medical evidence and communication. Mm-hmm. That's good to know. Cause I think mm-hmm. a misconception that people I have talked to have said, like, you only have like a year or two to file your claim. And after that, you can't do it. So that's really good to know. It becomes, I'll, I'll be honest, it becomes more of an uphill battle, but it doesn't yeah. mean it's a battle we can't win. Right. Um, it's just comes down to how determined are you to fight for yourself? And are you willing to let me help you do that? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I said, I've, I've had people who've been out seven, 15 years, you know, and they're doing their first claim and they're nose to the grindstone. Let's get it done. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah. For like a, I don't know what the proper term is, but like a reevaluation of your um, percent that you were awarded. Does mm-hmm. that, is there a certain time frame that a reevaluation happens or how does that work? Are you talking like, talking like the VA reevaluating you? Yeah. Okay. So they, their standard quote is between three to five years after you receive the rating. If it's not permanent in total, they can reevaluate you. However, it's not consistent that they do it. So like I got my initial rating in 2019 when I went active to reserves and then I filed my claim. Well, I started my intent to file in 2021. Um, And so that was kind of in that three-ish to five year and I never got contacted for anything a lot of veterans don't as long as you continue to take advantage I will say this gives you a leg up if you take advantage of the VA healthcare services um, it helps you stay on their radar and they don't get suspicious of oh he hasn't come to see you know veteran Smith hasn't come to see us in six years yeah maybe his service connections are better let's reevaluate him yeah um now, we do help with that as well. We can, it's called an RFE, um, and don't ask me what that stands for right now because I don't remember for some reason, <laughs> um, but we do help with that as well on an expedited basis. We can help you get new DBQs to submit to the VA and support what you already have. I've actually done it for one or two people within the last year. Um, it does happen. It's kind of random, and a lot of times, like I said, if you're not utilizing the VA at all, it's going to raise that scrutiny, in my opinion, at least. Yeah. Um, I use no, it makes sense. If you're, if you're claiming um, any type of medical condition and then in five years you don't get any help for it, the VA is going to be like, do you actually still have this condition or what's going on? So, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Um, cool. Well, do you have any last words of wisdom or advice you'd like to share with anyone or I have all these notes next to me I was prepared <laughs> I I took notes um the biggest thing I can say is don't try to be in control of everything every minute of the day life is going to do what life does it's going to take you on all these winding roads lord knows I know how that feels the last few years um And the best thing I have done for myself is just kind of let, let it come and deal with it as it comes. 
control what I can, but if it's something I can't control, okay. All right. You got this yeah. universe, God, whoever you believe in, you've got this. I'm going to let it happen. Um, and that has led to me being the healthiest I've ever been mentally, not miserable trying to constantly find a way to fix things. I'm just, mm -hmm. it'll happen. It it will either happen or it won't. And whatever happens, I will come out okay for it. Yep. And that's kind of how I got into this job and how I got where I am now. Um, and that's just something I really want to share with a lot of veterans and a lot of women veterans, because we want, we have that instinct to take care of people, not necessarily to fix things. That's more the men's side of things, but we want to take care of things and be in control um, and it's sometimes you just have to stop and be like, whatever's going to happen is, is what's going to happen. Yeah. And I will be okay no matter what. <laughs> no, that's a great um, perspective to have. And that's something I've been learning the past couple weeks too, like mm -hmm. coming out of the military and being in leadership and just really being in control of everything all the time. And now I'm like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. I don't have to be just really picking what I want to care about. And yes. it sounds pretty uh, almost ruthless to put it that way, but it really is. Like, do I actually care about, I don't know, traffic? Like, does, the, does this right. actually bug me? Like, no, I'm not in a rush to get home. So, And it is what it is. It's yep. I control the controllables. It's out of my control. So I'm yep. going to play my favorite music and have a jam exactly. session instead and yeah that's um a great mindset to have and it's really is uh life-changing from a mental health standpoint mm -hmm. absolutely um it's made it to where I'm not depressed every other week yeah to be honest you know I'm still not myself my 100% rating is for mental health but I'm okay. Yeah. And I'm getting through each day and each day's a little bit easier. And being part of the community, the veteran community helps a lot too. When mm -hmm. you get integrated with them, you feel not yeah. alone. Mm -hmm. The community is so strong here. And there's, um, if you just take the time to really look into what's around you, there's so much. And there's, mm -hmm. I know that like being, a new veteran or even someone still in the military, especially a woman, like it, it doesn't matter who you are, but if you're feeling alone, there is something there. And, um, it just takes like the tiniest bit of effort to find it. And, um, the community will, has been amazing. Yeah. And you will always have someone whose inbox is open. Yep. Just absolutely. Post, hey, I need to talk to someone and you'll have 10 people. I'm here. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's been an, an amazing thing is I can mm -hmm. just talk to someone and they understand. Yeah. And that just the friends that you make in your duty stations too. Like if I mm -hmm. called someone that I haven't talked to in two years and was like, Hey, I just really need someone to talk to. They're going to be like, what's up? How are you doing? Yep. Like, I would love to talk to you. And, mm -hmm. um, it's yeah. The, um, that like bond stays. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, um, do you want to share where people can find you or I can post, I'll post um, the links to like your websites and your contact form and everything in the show notes. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, um, our website is bvetstrong.com. 
It's got a ton of good information on it. And I am all over social media. Um, I have pretty much every platform available because why not? Um, <laughs> Love it. People are more than welcome to reach out to me. Um, and then, like you said, we'll have my contact info in the show notes so people can reach out and we can help out and get you a higher rating or get your rating in general. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for yeah. sharing all of your knowledge. I learned so much and I'm sure other people will too. Awesome. And um, yeah, take care. <laughs> Thanks. You too. Thanks, you too.